Hello and welcome to the Sam Knows Podcast. I'm Barry Collins. Cloud gaming is primed to become a huge industry with some of the biggest tech firms spending billions to ensure they have the infrastructure and the content to stream to gamers. Indeed, if you listen to the first part of this month's podcast, you'll hear how NVIDIA is doing just that. In part two, I'm talking to Sam Knows Head of Measurement Support, Jamie Mason. Jamie talks about the different demands that regular gaming and cloud gaming put on broadband networks, as well as the technical challenges the cloud gaming firms and the internet providers will have to overcome. I started by asking Jamie how much pressure regular gaming puts on the broadband networks. So uh, for regular gaming, there's basically two things here. You have um, the the downloads of the games themselves. Uh, They can be pretty hefty these days. Uh, And the updates that that come with that a lot of games will update on a very regular basis and then you have the the usage you know during uh, gameplay itself so right from the start we have uh, an entire class of gaming that simply doesn't have any kind of overhead because they don't use the internet when you're playing mm-hmm. um, and this is important to think about in terms of uh, the comparison with cloud gaming simply because when you're cloud gaming everything is an online game mm-hmm. uh, if we're talking about just online games, then uh, big updates, yes, will make a, a difference. And, and uh, online games tend to be the source of these big updates. It's quite rare that uh, sort of single-player games or, or ones that aren't played over the internet um, get regular big updates. There are you know, obviously um, exceptions to this, but as a rule, it'll be the, the big popular multiplayer games that will be getting the bigger updates. And ISPs can cope with this, uh, especially if they have any kind of advanced warning um but we do know that when big updates are released for for big games we do sometimes see a, a drop in performance on on major isps now when games are are in flow so when, you, when you're actually playing an online game uh, chances are you're not really going to be stressing your connection very much at all um there is very little communication going back and forth with the server the games, uh, especially Twitch games, things like um, first-person shooters and sports games, they're designed to have a, a very low overhead in terms of uh, network usage. So really, it's it's not a problem at all for ISPs. You know, playing lots of FIFA or, or playing lots of Quake or, or whatever um, simply isn't going to stress your own connection very much, and that means that it's not going to stress the ISP's network at all. Um, so, yeah, it, it's not really a problem, um, except for those cases where everyone wants to download a big patch at the same time. And, and then that's when like the headline speed of your connection matters. And that's when the ISPs need to mm-hmm. need to show that they can actually uh, give that speed to all of their customers, or at least all of the ones who want to, to play that game. So what are the key performance metrics for current games? So for, for current online gaming, uh, it, it is all about uh, latency, packet loss, and jitter. Uh, so to go into a bit of detail on this, um, the vast majority of online games, especially those aforementioned Twitch games, use uh, UDP as a protocol when um, communicating across the internet. Now, UDP uh, is different to TCP, which is what you would be using if you were browsing the internet, uh, in that it doesn't really care about how many packets make it to the destination. UDP is all about uh, being able to send information and hope that it gets there and just move on if it doesn't. Um, whereas TCP has a lot of um, authentication, a lot of back and forth, a lot of, oh, has this packet arrived? Are things in the right order? Um, mm-hmm. the, the best way to think about this is that you know, TCP is a lot like sending a fax. You want that document to come through 
uh, all of the pages need to be there and they all need to be in the right order. Um, whereas UDP is just spraying a hose at someone and as long as they get wet, it doesn't matter uh, whether you know some of the water didn't get there. So uh, what this means is that UDP is um, quite resilient in a certain way to, to small interruptions in, in, in the connection or small amounts of packet loss or, or anything like that. So this is good for not just online gaming, it's also good for the voice over IP and, and, and other things like this, but basically any sort of application that requires this sort of immediate response times, um, and online gaming is a really good example of this, then UDP is the way to go. So if you are a gamer, if you are playing a Twitch game online, then uh, you will want low latency. Um, and this is because everything you do um, in a game has a delay added to it when you're when you're playing online, um, in that you might want to move left in a shooter, and that's fine. You, you say you want to move left, your client updates and goes, yep, here's you moving left, but that information also needs to be sent to the server that you're playing on. It needs to be sent mm-hmm. to all the other players in that game, and it's very important that this happens as quickly as possible. And the speed of this happening isn't related to download speed, it's re- related to latency. Essentially, the time it takes for data to travel from you to the server and back again. So it's that sort of uh, low-level, small updates, but just constant updates like that that sort of forms the basis of a lot of online gaming. And it's important that we're using UDP here because if we're using TCP, the first time there was any kind of delay, first time you lost a packet or anything like that, you would wait until everything was back in order again, and you'd never catch up. So people would be Mm -hmm. somehow out of time, out of sync with everyone else. Um, So... Whilst bearing in mind that UDP is good for this, uh, players will still notice if there is high latency or uh, packet loss. Uh, it will show up on the screen. Um, it may show up in the in the behavior of, of um, some of the, the elements in the world, be it other players or just your movement. Uh, it might even show up with just how long it takes for an action that you've done, for example, pressing a button to shoot a gun or something like that, before it actually shows up on screen. Um, and the, the other thing to mention here is, is Jitter, which is quite complicated, but to sort of give a, a really basic uh, overview of what it is, it's the, the difference in delay between packets. So, for example, if you have a connection that has quite high latency, uh, say 100 milliseconds, but it was 100 milliseconds constantly, there is very little Jitter on that connection. But if you have a, a connection that is 20 milliseconds, but it might be 20 milliseconds between packet A and packet B, and then 40 milliseconds between packet B and packet C, and then 10 milliseconds between packet C and packet D, and so on, uh, then that's high levels of Jitter. And what that leads to in gaming is this kind of inconsistency, this, this feeling that you can't really understand what's going to happen and when. Um, mm-hmm. It's actually quite straightforward when dealing with sort of medium or, or high latency connections to, to sort of get used to the delay, to be able to handle exactly what's happening. So if there is a 100 millisecond delay when you're playing a game, your, your brain kind of adapts to that and you get used to it. But if it's all over the place, then that's incredibly frustrating. Yep. So the thing is uh, with all three of these metrics uh, is that there are ways in which we can mitigate them. I say we, uh, game developers, uh, will will mitigate the issues here. So um, when I go back to the example of being able to press a button and see something happen on screen immediately, a lot of games developers uh, work out a way for that to happen, um, regardless of the latency of your connection. It's it's about 
um, what they allow the the client, so the game that you are playing on your computer or on your console, what they allow that to display versus what's actually happening in the real world. So to give that really simple example of pressing a button, have your gun shoot, if you're playing, I don't know, Destiny or, or something along those lines, you can press a button and your gun will shoot immediately. But that doesn't mean that's actually happened at the exact time that you did it. It means that your your client, your game, showed you it happening. But maybe for mm-hmm. everyone else that you're playing with, it happened half a second later, something along those lines. There's lots of little cool tricks like that that can, that can be done um, involving either predicting what the user is going to do or just making it seem like everything's running a little bit quicker than it is uh, that hides the impact of, of uh, high latency or, or high levels of jitter. So how does this differ for cloud gaming services? What extra demands are they going to put on broadband networks? So the problem we have here is that uh, cloud gaming still requires this, this low latency, uh, low amounts, preferably zero amounts of packet loss and, and sort of low amounts of jitter and adding on top uh, big, consistent download speed, preferably without any sort of fluctuation at all. Uh, And this can be something of a problem. Um, When you are streaming video, there's all sorts of things that the ISP can do or uh, all sorts of things that the video streaming service can do to mitigate any potential problems. But with cloud gaming, it's uh, it's a lot trickier. Now, Mm -hmm. we spoke earlier about these little mitigations in terms of... um, dealing with delays where games developers can do clever things with um, with the client that's running on your computer or on your console where you have this immediacy of action as mentioned before if you press a button you immediately shoot on screen and this is something that might not actually happen immediately in the game world but you think it did so you think everything is fine uh, and you mm-hmm. can't do that with cloud gaming um, because the actual client that you're using is being streamed to you over the internet. So there is going to be this built-in delay. You will not have that press a button, something happens immediately um, way of working. So uh, in terms of like demands on networks, from a, a user's perspective, um, all of a sudden they need to be able to download a lot of data consistently. Um, Mm -hmm. and it has to be able to cope with any other demands that are being put on their network. For example, someone else wanting to stream or uh, someone else downloading something or or whatever, just a general day-to-day usage. And for ISPs, uh, it means that a decent chunk of of their customer base, uh, ones who can be quite vocal if they're anything like me, uh, (laughs) their their gamers, all of a sudden their gamers don't just want this this low latency network and they're not too fussed about download speed as long as they can get their patches on time. Um, They they also want download speed at the same time. And it's very important that um, the, the downloading itself doesn't cause any problems with latency because any sort of issues with latency will be magnified in, in cloud gaming. And so this this is a genuine problem for ISPs to, to handle. Uh, most of the game streaming services suggest you need between 20 to 35 megabits a second of bandwidth for reliable cloud gaming. How much strain is that going to put on the peak time delivery when you're competing with services such as Netflix and iPlayer, for example? Quite a lot. Um, straight off the bat, that is a lot more uh, than, say, streaming the highest quality Netflix uh, or streaming from YouTube or, or wherever. So there is this higher demand as well. Um, I think also the the absolute most um, requirement there, the sort of highest amount of bandwidth usage, is actually higher than those figures as well, judging from what I've seen from various tests uh, around on, on the internet. So mm-hmm. that that is quite a, a drastic change. Um, and it's here I think we should talk a little bit about the difference between cloud gaming and, um, and video streaming because 
video streaming is all about having this uh, unbroken experience where you press play and after however many seconds your video starts and then you're just able to watch it and you can pause it when you want to and then when you when you click play again it restarts it's it's fairly straightforward you want the quality to be consistent and you want it to be uh you don't want it to ever to buffer or anything like that and yep. buffering is kind of the issue here because um what buffering is is essentially um uh, when you are streaming from uh from netflix you are downloading a certain amount of of the video um, but you're downloading more than you need and uh, what this means is if there's any sort of interruption um, in in your connection then there is still a few seconds uh, worth of video depending on how much has been buffered uh, available for you to watch whilst your connection sort of catches up in the background it's like having a, mm-hmm. a bucket of water so if you're taking regular regular cups of water out of this bucket and you're drinking the cups of water at a regular speed and someone else is filling up that bucket you'll never empty the bucket now if the the supply of water to the bucket runs out for a certain amount of time you'll keep getting water out of the bucket only until you empty that bucket and then all of a sudden you can't drink any more water Uh, Mm -hmm. and this is essentially how video streaming works we can't do the same thing with cloud gaming because uh it's not a video for a start. It, it isn't a yeah. set and understood uh, data set. It is something that is dynamic. Uh, one player might be streamed completely different data to another player because the game worlds are interactive. Um, there are very few uh, opportunities to be able to send uh, data ahead of time, um, like a cutscene for something, for example, or a, an in-game movie. That's the sort of thing that you would be able to do it. But for the vast majority of the experience. Uh, it's all it's all custom. It's all reacting to what's happening, and so you can't do this level of buffering. It has to be uh, you are getting what you what you need to see immediately, and the next few seconds will come when they come. It's not something that you can store up ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're doing this at peak times as well, obviously everyone is trying to to watch Netflix. Uh, I know that I have a, a very very strong Netflix routine started since lockdown. Uh, so it's very much eat dinner. <laughs> stick yourself in front of the television, look at terrestrial TV, realize there's nothing on, and then fire up <laughs> Netflix or Amazon Prime or, or whatever. Um, and and that's fine because we know how much bandwidth Netflix needs uh, and my connection is more than fast enough to be able to handle it. Now, if I had two people here who want to do cloud gaming as well, then that would be a, a huge problem. I think uh, my connection would really struggle with that. Uh, and it, it's probably not the Netflix user that would that would notice the problem. It's the cloud gamers. Um, one other thing that really separates video streaming from from gaming um, is the use of cache servers. So to take the Netflix mm-hmm. example again, um, so we, we developed a test for Netflix. Um, so we measure uh, Netflix performance, and our test uh, doesn't just you know, randomly go and grab something from Netflix to download. It actually acts the way that... Um, a Netflix client would. So if you were to open up your browser or go to the Netflix app on your television, um, what happens here under the hood is that you communicate with Netflix and Netflix actually redirects you to the nearest available server containing your content that you want to look at. And for most major ISPs, uh, those servers actually exist on the ISP's own network. So Netflix have placed these these caches, uh, these servers containing the videos on the ISP's own servers so that their users don't have to go out over the internet to download and watch the film they want to watch. And this is quite a, a common thing to do uh, for video streaming. So Google do the same thing with YouTube, for example. 
Um, yep. This helps massively lower costs uh, for the ISPs. It means that they can redirect their users to a really high bandwidth part of their own internal network. They don't need to worry about peering links or anything like this. So as mm-hmm. it stands now, I don't believe that there's any sort of uh, caching or, or uh, ISP side servers that, that can happen for, for cloud gaming. That's not to say it can't happen in future, but it would require, I think, uh, something a little bit more designed for cloud gaming in terms of the games themselves being designed for that. How much is the home Wi-Fi equipment going to be a factor in delivering reliable game streams, especially when you're talking about 4K streaming? So I think this is going to be pretty huge, actually. Um, Wi-Fi for for gaming is already problematic in certain ways. So there are certain types of games where where using Wi-Fi is very much frowned upon. Um, One of the sort of game genres that I'm quite fond of, so fighting games, things like Street Fighter and Tekken and things like that, um, mm-hmm. they, there are a lot of online tournaments that will only allow you to play if you're using a wired connection. Um, mm-hmm. This is because when you, when you play some of these games, uh, you're not also playing on a, a dedicated server out on the internet. Uh, the way the networking works for some of these games is that you are actually connecting to the other user's connection. It's called peer-to-peer networking. And in the case of uh, fighting games, um, what happens is... Uh, if you have high levels of jitter, then you are going to see your, well, you, if you have high levels of jitter, it might seem fine to you, but your opponent is going to suffer as a result because the data that you are sending them about everything that you're doing is going to come in a sort of not quite random intervals, but it's going to be really inconsistent. And that will end up displaying itself as characters teleporting around the place or just weird lag-based uh, events happening that just make it really hard to play against. And this is down mm-hmm. to, to Wi-Fi just having naturally higher jitter. Um, it's, it's just a more inconsistent connection than a, than a wired one. So that's kind of uh, a niche problem. And for a lot of games, Wi-Fi is probably just fine. It won't be the, the perfect solution, but it'll just work. But with cloud gaming, all of a sudden, you need to be able to download really fast at the same time. Uh, and this is somewhere something where a lot of Wi-Fi networks will struggle. Um, there's going to be a lot of people with quite old Wi-Fi kit, so routers yep. that only uh, have a headline speed of 54 megabits per second and don't necessarily hit that speed. It's it's, it's really hard with Wi-Fi networks to actually hit the the theoretical maximum of of your connection. So. Recently, uh, I'd say over the last few years, there's been a, a real shift, especially in this country, uh, about understanding that the, the user's home environment is just as big a deal to them as, as their, their connection speed. Um, there's more advertising based on, on Wi-Fi. You might have seen um, some major ISPs talking about mesh networks. Uh, there's, uh, I think, a greater understanding among the general population that their Wi-Fi needs to be better. Um, mm-hmm. And we actually developed uh, uh, a system called Samno's Real Speed, which uh, when you run a speed test from your computer or mobile device, uh, what it does is it, it measures the speed from that device, but also measures the speed from the, the Samno's device in your home, be it uh, Samno's white box or, or our, our code embedded on, on your, your ISP's router. And this just tells you, look, this, this is the speed you're actually getting from your ISP, and this is the speed you're getting on this device and that can show that Wi-Fi might be taking a huge amount of speed off you. So you might have a mm-hmm. 500 megabit connection and you're getting 500 megabit at the router, but you're getting 60 megabits at your iPad or, or whatever you're running the, the test on um, in, a, in a different room. And that sort of information, I think, it is really important. 
Um, and if you are someone who just relies on your your Wi-Fi network for everyday usage, and all of a sudden you're trying to do cloud gaming on it, then you might be in for a bit of a surprise. We already see huge bandwidth spikes when new games or game updates are released, as you said earlier. Could cloud gaming smooth those peaks out because there's no need to make those massive downloads anymore? Yes, this has to be one of the big positives for for users and ISPs. Um, one of the, the big draws of cloud gaming is its convenience, and one of the the bigger parts of that is you you don't need to to download patches, you don't need to download game clients, you don't have to care about whether you're playing a game that gets updated regularly because it will happen server side. You just press a button and, and you're playing a few seconds later. Um, some patches can be absolutely huge. So during lockdown, uh, I reluctantly started playing Call of Duty with my friends. <laughs> and uh, one of the more frustrating elements of this uh, is that I was playing semi-regularly. I play a couple of times a week. And it felt to me at times that every time I wanted to play, there was another huge patch. And, and I mean huge. Like At some point, I think we got a, a 50 gigabyte patch, and I think there's been some bigger ones. That, that is a lot of data to download. And when you're yeah. playing something and you, you know if you have a certain time of day that you're able to play at, you know, after work or you want to play with friends, then this kind of delay built in where you have to wait for this download is, is really frustrating. And if you imagine everyone else doing the same thing, all of a sudden that's a huge amount of, of download traffic that ISPs have to deal with as well. And we know that ISPs can see a drop in, in performance uh, uh, when a new patch is released for a game like Call of Duty or a, a new big FIFA game is released because everyone is trying to download it at the same time. The flip side to this, I guess, is that, yes, we're going to see fewer peaks. It will be smoothed out. The the, uh, the cloud server providers will be the ones that handle the downloads. But the trade-off here is, of course, that it's going to see a huge increase in just overall bandwidth usage. So the, the peaks might be a lot lower, but the, the baseline level goes up quite a bit. And I think that that's a, a different but just as big a problem for, for ISPs. There's already been a lot of discussion about net neutrality in many countries and broadband providers wanting to prioritize or charge extra for some, certain streams of traffic. Do you think cloud gaming is going to add to those calls? I think if cloud gaming becomes popular uh, more than it is right now, then I think it's absolutely inevitable. Um, all the arguments that the ISPs used with regards to, to streaming services like Netflix and so on, uh, they remain true. and They are just as true for cloud gaming, um, but even more so. There is more load being put on the ISP's own network, and there's fewer ways for the ISPs to actually handle it. So if, if cloud gaming became as popular as, as Netflix or, or along those lines, it would re represent... Uh, a huge problem for the ISPs and a huge amount of money uh, for them to fix the problem. ISPs mm -hmm. are in a situation right now where uh, there's the, the promise of 5G with some pretty crazy speeds being bandied about. There's a lot of uh, very fast broadband connections. Uh, one gigabit is quite common in this country now, and that, that wasn't true a few years ago. And ISPs have to know that they are going to be able to cope with any kind of increase in, in bandwidth usage. So not only is it about what the ISPs can handle right now, but it's about what they can handle in a year's time or in five years' time. They need to be able to predict just how much their, the user base is going to grow, how much the, the bandwidth usage is going to grow, and they need to be able to have the time and put the investment in to, to improve their networks to, to cope with that. And that, that's expensive as well. Mm -hmm. um, so it's if it's something that happens very quickly, and 
And unfortunately, I think this is the nature of, of things on the internet and just any kind of service and, and with gaming especially is that these things can get popular really, really quickly and far faster than an ISP can realistically uh, react to in, in sort of real time. If you think mm-hmm. back to, to when lockdown happened, uh, which feels like it was about 10 years ago, but it, was, it, it wasn't. <laughs> uh, so the first lockdown, um, we saw quite a, a, a big change in in, uh, in traffic patterns in the UK. So previously, we we had this very much this sort of peak hour period where um, you know people got home from work and they started using the internet some more and it, it was pretty reliable and what we've seen uh, especially during during lockdown a lot of people working from home and, and all kinds of things is that that smoothed out quite a bit it isn't quite as obvious uh, in other countries uh, across the world we've seen almost a situation where peak hour does not exist anymore it is daylight hours or even waking hours so it's from mm-hmm. nine nine o'clock in the morning or eight o'clock in the morning to eleven o'clock at night it is just incredible amounts of usage and we know from experience that a lot of isps have struggled with this a lot of server hosts have struggled with this because they are built to uh to work around what has been true previously in terms of usage levels so uh if they're faced with this this big jump in in download uh uh in well in bandwidth usage not just download then that could be that could be really really difficult for them. Any kind of issue for cloud gaming is going to to show up and going to annoy users quite quickly. And who are the users mm-hmm. going to talk to when this happens? It's likely to be their ISP. Uh, ISPs will field a lot of calls about aspects of their connection that they don't really have any control over. Um, so if a a streaming service that they don't have a cache for, if there's poor speeds there and it, the problem is just something out on the internet, the ISP is still going to get the blame. Uh, if there's a yeah. problem with your cloud gaming where you can't keep up this this connection, uh, then the ISP is going to get the blame, regardless of whether it's actually the ISP's fault or not. So support costs will go through the roof as well. It's really likely that because it is such a sensitive uh, service that the, the support uh, requirements are going to be much, much higher as well. There was a whole argument back in the, in the original net neutrality discussion where uh, there was this concept of, you're paying for a certain amount of speed from from your ISP. You should be able to get that speed, and I, I think that's that's a reasonable stance to take, right? You're you're paying for a service. You want the service as advertised. When something comes along that essentially blows all of that out of the water and sort of forces users to upgrade to faster speeds and forces ISPs to upgrade, I think it makes sense that the ISPs would go, "Hold on a second. If we're going to do this, we're going to need to." to put in place large upgrades purely for to handle the added load from this one service, we should probably be compensated in some way. So I, I, I can't see the ISPs not doing that. Just finally, Jamie, I mean, how excited are you about cloud gaming? Is this something you think is going to be big in the future? Uh, I'm pretty excited about it. So um, I I kind of already know what I'll use it for and what I won't. Um, you have my my stable of, of competitive online games that I will, I'll continue playing on, on my PC or on the console um, just because I, I don't want to add in any kind of latency or, or, or create any kind of overhead for myself, um, not least because uh, I get angry very quickly at video games and I really shouldn't, <laughs> not at my age. Um, but I am also something of a... Um, I don't want to say collector because that makes it sound like I'm curating a collection, but essentially I have far too many games um, and I will buy a game and I'll play it for a few hours and then I'll never come back to it. And cloud mm-hmm. gaming is, is sort of perfect for that sort of thing. 
the ability to pay a subscription fee for something, and it's not just for cloud gaming, for a lot of these services. So I think uh, Microsoft's um, cloud gaming comes bundled with their Game Pass, which gives you access to yep. actually download games. Uh, and instead of paying the, the client cost, you're paying the, the box cost rate, you just pay a subscription fee and you have access to all these games, whether you want to download them or not. And I think that for me is great because I might, see a game and go, oh, I don't know if I like this one. There is no demo available because the concept of demos has kind of fallen out of favor, but I could just stream it and see if I like it. And if I really like it, I'll probably download it. Or if the streaming yeah. experience is good enough, I'll just play through it. And I have done this uh, already with some games, and it, it is hugely convenient. Um, there's, I also, uh, every time I go on holiday, or I, I take sort of my Nintendo Switch and I always have lots of games ideas queued up. Now, I never end up gaming on holiday, and that's probably just as well because uh, I don't think my girlfriend would be very happy if I just sat in a hotel room uh, <laughs> playing on the Switch all day. But uh, if we were to go places where the, the bandwidth is available, then I can see the convenience factor of just being able to take any sort of device and then streaming whatever game I wanted to play on there rather than having to actually lug a lot of hardware around and, and that sort of thing. So you know, that that would be my use case, I think. And I think that would probably mirror a lot of people's use cases. Um, there are going to be people for whom cloud gaming is their only solution where they have a connection uh-huh. that's good enough for it, but they, they don't have a console or they don't have a PC that's good enough to play these games. And and that is you know, the group of people that are that the games developers and the games companies are going to be aiming this at. And that's absolutely fine. I think it will probably remain niche for a while until they overcome some some of the technical hurdles just in, in terms of the actual bandwidth usage games companies might start developing games with cloud gaming in mind i think there's a lot of uh, cool ways to approach this problem um where you might not get games that are being designed in the same way as you would on a console or on a, or on a pc but instead bearing in mind that uh the bandwidth usage of, of cloud gaming, the bandwidth requirements can drop quite quite a lot if there's there's less things on screen or if uh, the environments are less dynamic. I think there's a lot that games companies can do if they designed for cloud gaming first and foremost. And I, I'm really interested to see how that goes. And and let's face it, it's been a terrible ye- couple of years for trying to upgrade the uh, PCs and uh, mm-hmm. getting a graphics card is incredibly difficult at the moment and they're extremely expensive. Uh, trying to get a, a next generation console has taken me far, far too long. I don't have a <laughs> PS5 or an uh, Xbox Series X. Um, the availability of those has been really, really tricky. So, if ever there was going to be a time when cloud gaming would actually, you know, find its moment and then become popular, I think it's probably around now as, as people realize that these problems are not not temporary ones, and actually the the cost and lack of availability might might stay with us for some time. So. Um, so I, I, I am quite excited to see where they go with that. I am probably more excited to see how they overcome the technical hurdles uh, at this stage. And I think we're probably going to see some, some great things coming out of that. That's it for the second part of this month's podcast. If you missed the first part of NVIDIA or the article that accompanies this show, make sure to visit samnose.com. Goodbye for now. <laughs>